Hey folks, Justin here coming in at the very beginning of the episode with a little bit of housekeeping notes. You know, last week you may have also heard it if you got the episode in early that I accidentally released the Patreon episode, which is fully uncensored and not cut for context or profanity. I, I released that to the public feed. And for that, I'm very sorry. And I hope that we didn't offend any of you in the process. In an attempt to do better in the future, we asked you, the listeners, how you felt about it on Twitter, and we are going to move forward with an uncensored show, and we are going to continue cutting for content and just be a bit more judicious about what we let get out to the public as far as uh, context goes, because we want to make sure that even our smallest listeners can enjoy the show without their parents or guardians uh, being upset or wary of what we might say. So you will still continue to receive the same great show with the same great rants and content, just a little bit more filtered. And that's all I got for you. So without further ado, I will let you get to the show, the reason why you came here, and I hope that you enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. This loss, honestly, it doesn't matter. And I don't mean in like the existential way that we say like, oh, it's just a game. It doesn't matter. I mean, literally, it doesn't if we matter. play well enough, it actually doesn't matter. <laughs> So just like calm down, everybody. Just, just, it's okay. You can cry a little. You know, I'll hold you. I have a very <laughs> huggable body. That's true. 100%. Welcome to Chapel Felker, Stats Focus podcast about UJ football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we are going to review the USC Junior game uh a lot to say about it um yep i didn't actually prepare this part of the episode of what we were actually going to say right at the very beginning but i i I feel like we have a pretty good idea of what we're actually going to talk about throughout the episode but uh unexpected Mm -hmm. i feel like we just pulled off the band-aid once more between the two of us Mm -hmm. We've, we've had a few days between the game and right now and we've been talking about it off and on about how we're going to to figure this whole thing out and how we're going to address it. And you actually wrote a really beautiful article earlier um, that if you haven't actually seen it, you should go see it on Dog Sports. Um, if you have any heart at all, which if you're listening to the show right now and you enjoy the show, I imagine you probably have a heart. So you should probably go check it out and uh, it'll be linked in the show notes. But um, Nathan. Yeah. Would you like to talk about your experience of the game? Um. No, <laughs> not at all, really. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. You know, it, it was, I don't know, that's fatalist. I'm not going to do that bullshit. Um, I would say, you know, other than the result of the game, it was a great day. It was good weather. Band had a really good run. Um, I thought it sounded good in the stands. You know, really good practice. Had a really excellent, um, they went to the Cobb County Mar- Exhibition on Monday the Cobb County marching band exhibition and like in front of some of the best band, high school bands in the world had a really good performance. Shout out to the Caesar phones who had just a bang up, did a bang up job of playing Fam Natty, um, which was actually originally written a lot of it by a current Patreon listener bank. Um, so shout out to you. I'll send you that video. If you text me to remind me big, whatever. Uh, but yeah, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, it's like a slow mission car crash. And it hurts because we've seen it happen so many times. And, you know, what are you going to do? I, I, I don't even really, like, you have written down all these, like, takes on this game. And, like, I'm already I'm already through to the healing process. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I, you know, it was, this is not really subjective narrative. And we can talk about the stats that back up the take that I'm about to give. But, like, it is it was truly a black swan day. You know, I mean, at, at the end of the day, South Carolina had an 8% win per, or win expectancy at the end of the game, according to SP+. Mm-hmm. It was a game where basically everything had to happen exactly how, how it happened in order for South Carolina to win. Yeah. One break doesn't go their way, and we win. This was definitely a game, and it, this is usually sour grapes to say this, but this was definitely a game that we lost and not a game they won, which, you know, 8% win expectancy will do that to you. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I... Whatever. I mean, Jake Fromm throws one fewer pick. We don't bobble that snap. We have three turnovers or two turnovers instead of one. South Carolina came out of this game with 11, um, 11 turnover luck points in a six-point win. Mm-hmm. I think if like two different things happen, we win this game walking away. So it's hard for me to really get... I mean, like it's not that I'm not upset. I am upset. But like I walked out of there kind of just like... 
you know, you only get to do this a certain number of times. And once you get hurt enough times by something, like you start to realize that like, or I've started to realize that when it comes to UJ football, like I'm projecting my own hurt, you know, it's like, it's not a real thing. It's like, I'm letting myself be hurt by it. And I'm not going to do that because I only get to do this a certain number of times before I just die. And I'm not going to be miserable about UGA football. Uh, but yeah, that was my subjective experience. What about yours? <laughs> that was it. That was the whole thing, right? Um, yeah. I mean, well, I already, I wrote like 1500 words about this today. So sure I, did, I really yeah. have a lot, I, I have a lot more to say, but you, you do know. have a lot to say about it. Um, I did. Some of you may know at this point, if you follow the Twitter account that uh, I was, uh, I kind of lived a sort of dream in that I got to uh, Books for Keeps was was nominated for an award this weekend. And Books for Keeps was nominated for an award called the Unselfish Giving Award. That is uh, something put together by the Sports Marketing Department for UGA and Georgia Power. And um, if you don't know about my job uh, enough, then I will be happy to tell you about it at any given point in time. But there are three of us that work for this organization, and the three of us we give at this point about a hundred thousand books away to students in the uh, Athens Clark County area, as well as a few other rural counties and a few Atlanta schools as well. And and I don't say that to like pat my own back because we we do that with the you know because of the grace of different businesses and different grants that we receive, and also six thousand volunteer hours. Like we don't do this just the three of us, but. It's really awesome to work for such a small organization and be honored in such a way, uh, especially when that honor comes with being able to go on the field and experience the VIP suite, which is what I was uh, able to experience with the weekend, which was really, really cool. What do you got? You're about <laughs> no, I, I just think it's really funny that you went on the field for the first time, I suppose. And I, like, yeah. Anna has been on the field like... Which is really funny. times. So yeah. originally, the reason why we were... Uh, so we were told this on like Tuesday. And we... I'm somebody that plans my Google calendar out about like a month or two in advance. And so when I was told this, I told Anna like, hey, this is happening. And she said, what's the big deal? It's just the field. And I was like, I know you've been on the field like 40 times, yeah. but I've never been on the field. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a, kind of a big deal. And um, that's because Anna was a redcoat, of course. And so Anna, Anna joined me because... Uh, Without Anna, I would have never known about Books for Keeps because she is a teacher, of course. And when I was looking for volunteer opportunities uh, a few years ago, she was somebody who said, oh, there's this really awesome organization called Books for Keeps that gives books to both students and teachers and allows them to full- fill their uh, their libraries. And so I started volunteering with them in my spare time. And eventually that became my job after I left Creature Comfort. So here I am today because of Anna. So I... I most definitely invited her onto the field because she is one my favorite human and two the reason why i'm there at all today so it was a a really special experience um we did end up leaving after that because our original plans were to go to the mountains and we were going to take a weekend away which we really needed um we did listen to and watch the game on youtube tv all the way up to the mountains and we went up to tiger mountain vineyards and um the game very coincidentally uh, and conveniently ended when we parked and, and stepped out of the car to go into Tiger Mountain Vineyards. <laughs> well, it's a good place to get drunk, I imagine. It is, yeah. So we, we walked in and it's close enough, of course, to you know Clemson University and, of course, South Carolina uh, to where we walked in and that was about all of the fans that were in the, the place. But it was a really nice experience to where they, they both consoled us. Like, I didn't walk into a room full of gloating USC fans or anything like I walked into a room of people, including South Carolina fans, that were like, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> they understood. Like, they got it. Like, it was it was a rough time. And we'll get into the stats in a second about how this was the game. UJ lost this game. Like, South Carolina... UJ lost this game more than South Carolina won this game. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a real mess. But uh, really, my, my whole subjective experience, my... It was an incredible experience. I had an awesome time. I, I kept texting my coworkers because they weren't able to make it that day, which was unfortunate. But I kept texting them and saying, I can't believe the dogs that do this to me on my special day. Uh, <laughs> but uh, big shout out to a lot of folks. Uh, Jeff Carolyn, or, excuse me, not Jeff Carolyn. Oh, my God. John Carolyn, who I've known for years now, who I just called Jeff Carolyn, because Jeff Malmquist also messaged us and said, hey, I saw you on the field. Great job. Awesome. Big shout out to John Carolyn for... Uh, messaging me afterwards immediately and saying hey great job out there it's cool to see you on the field and jeff momquist who also emailed us immediately after i don't know where you found service in the middle of sanford stadium yeah but i don't, really I don't cool. know how all these people are always tweeting in sanford and i know tweeting that and I, emailing of all i know things. the journalists have uh the wi-fi password 
and there's like a there's an unidentified it doesn't have an ssid mm-hmm. or whatever but there's an uh wi-fi in the stadium but like i have no idea how you have these dudes that are on the sideline that are just like yeah just looking at this to happen and it's like mm-hmm. i have half a bar the entire time oh one th- so this is not entirely related but we were on the field right before we walked onto the field to be recognized and uh hot rod was there like maybe 10 feet away and anna looked at me and, and anna has zero shame um at least in this scenario because she's been on the field at least 40 times and she was like hey do you want me to go ask him for a selfie and i was like no he's at work <laughs> like no i don't want to bother him and he was just kind of like dinking around and like looking around and doing his hot rod thing and not really paying attention to anything in particular but i was like no i'm not gonna ask that man for a selfie right now because i'm sure i'll be kicked off the field nah you wouldn't have it surprisingly <laughs> laid back down there oh that's pretty cool okay once whatever. you can get onto the field you're good like once you get onto the field then you're you're pretty good I wish you wouldn't have told me that because now I wish I would have gotten a selfie. Anyway, so let's get into uh, <clears throat> this episode will look a little bit different because what we're going to do with this episode is we're going to talk about the stats, uh, of course, because that's what we do. But a, a really unique scenario for us, or, or, you know, it's really unique to us, at least that in the last three years, this is our third season doing Chapel Bell Curve now, and we have maybe seen five or six losses over that time. And so losses are always really weird for us. Um, and one could say that this was probably a really convenient time to start a podcast in around UJ football, but also it's a really inconvenient time because we're not used to losing and then talking about it, especially when it was a team that we probably should not have lost to. Um, all the losses that we've lost, uh, we've had to talk about are like the, the Auburn loss that was in the regular season a couple of years ago, the national championship, the SEC championships. Um, and now this, and so this is a, a very unique situation compared to those at least. And so we're going to be talking about that a little bit, but we're going to do it in our own way. We're going to talk about the stats. We're also going to talk about, um, some very fun questions I feel. And Nathan can kind of add to that too. Is that I, I, we asked everybody before we started this episode, what are some really positive experiences you have, uh, because of Georgia? And it's not necessarily because of Georgia football or anything, but it's because of Georgia and because of this town, because of the city, these people and this whole experience that surrounds it. Because what we have found is that Chapel Bell Curve is something that says it's a stats focused podcast, but it's kind of a stats focused podcast that pretends it's such. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. And it's just like UJ football, like UJ football is not just football. It's an entire experience. Yeah. And I mean, so... I, I I don't want to retread over too much what you just said, but yeah. the basic thought that when I I texted uh, I guess Saturday night Sunday ish I texted Justin about here's what I want to do, and my basic thought is that there's a lot of people who and and I look it's it's a bandwagon fallacy. Well, is it bandwagon fallacy is everything? It's fallacious to be upset at someone because they start liking your team after they get good. Sometimes that's just how it works. It doesn't matter. You don't get any points for having done this for a long time. It just means that you're a sadist. <laughs> but or well no a masochist um and i and i think that there are a lot of people who maybe have not been uj fans for a long time or have only been uj fans since we got good or maybe just people who've been uj fans for a long time who have like you know because of uh various psychological traumas blocked out the memories of oh i don't know everything between 2007 and 2010 12 um and so i do i feel like a lot of the public reaction to this loss was kind of out of hand it certainly is a historic upset in the sense that, you know, it hasn't happened in the last like 15 years, but it's happened like twice in the last five or 10 years. So it's not, it hasn't happened to UGA in, in the last little bit, but it's happened nationally very recently. And it just is so weird to me because it's like, this was a very low leverage loss. You know, it, it, it means something and it certainly makes it tightens down. Like, I mean, at the ulti- at the end of the day, ultimately before UGA lost South Carolina, if they won all their games, they're going to the CFP. That's still true today. And yeah, you have less margin for error, but you always had less margin for error. Now, you know, what this means predictively in terms of like what the rest of the season looks like or whatever, that's probably time for a different podcast. But I, what I want to do is I want people to just have, take a moment and have some perspective about what we're doing here, right? You know, Justin and I, I think started this podcast because we enjoy each other's company. uh, And also because we have a very specific way, I think, of looking at sports. And one of those things that manifests the most often when we talk about sports are, you know, uh, we think that we want to take the heat out of the hot takes. We want to we want to be logical. We want to be rational about stuff. We want to be uh, clear minded. Right. And so I think 
the negativity fallacy, and this one is a real fallacy, is that things are more likely to be bad than they are good. And I, and I worry that our sort of like zeitgeist reaction to what is admittedly a very bad loss is trending towards negative more than it should. So I think it's you know important to take a moment and just think about A, in the context of the season where we are, but B, like why are we doing this thing? Because ultimately, and this is something that I've only really come to in the last like three or four years, if if you're doing something that's making you feel bad all the time and you don't have any benefit out of it, you shouldn't we'll do, do it. it. Yeah, you should stop doing it. So like, I don't think that that's true for anyone who listens to this podcast or UGA fans. I don't think that you don't enjoy any part of it. But we, I think, as a fan base have reacted that way. And so I think it's time, you know, we're going to talk about stats, certainly. But like, I think the most important thing we can do during this is just do a little bit of self-care. So that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on self-care. We're going to go out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you about my real life self care care ritual. <laughs> what I do is I put on, I go home and I take a shower and I put on basketball shorts and a t-shirt, a ratty ratty t-shirt. And I put on my best zip up hoodie. I have a Spider-Man zip up hoodie where if I zip it all the way up, it looks like I'm Spider-Man. I like that one. That's a good uh, one. And I sit down and I play a very obscure, very old video game about taking over Europe. And I put... Civilization? No, 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 no. Way more obscure. Medieval 2 Total War. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I have I have over 700 hours on my Steam copy of that game, which I got. Wow. I got that. I got the, my Steam copy of that game three years after it came out, which is really sad. Anyway, <laughs> I play that game and I put on like Captain America Civil War because it is my favorite, um, probably my favorite Marvel movie. And I just sort of veg out and I don't. I, anytime that I feel bad or I feel angry about myself, I just think that's not good for me. I'm going to be nice to myself. And I feel like that that's what UGA fandom as a whole needs to do. Just put on your Spider-Man hoodie and boot up your favorite weird video game and put on a good movie and just say, I'm not going to be mean to myself today because I deserve to be nice to myself. And I can't love anybody else if I can't love myself. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do here. Now we're going to talk about stats first. So things are going to hurt for a minute, but Mm -hmm. In a minute, what that's what we're going to do. And I just want everybody to come away from this episode. And you personally, as a human, go do something nice for yourself. You deserve it. Treat yourself. You, you deserve it. It can be a little thing. You know what I like to do? During my planning period, I like to turn the lights off in my classroom and I take my shoes off and I listen to like a guided meditation for like 10 minutes and I cry a lot of the time. Just do something for yourself. Just just real. You deserve it. You, you definitely do. Anyway, so... Do you want to do any more? Do you want to do some stat stuff before we get into that, or do you just want to get right into that? Let's talk about some stat stuff first, just so we do the 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 reason why people diligence. usually come yeah, to this thing. Yeah. So let and me not, just... don't do the shithead thing that I did. Ooh, whoops, yeah. Sorry. You're good. Uh, don't do the thing that I did where you say that you're going to write an article about stats, but then don't write about any stats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, your title was good. Your title it it very much so uh, gave everybody the expectations they needed to have. So talking about stats real quick let's talk about some stats that that look funny or kind of define this game for what it was this was by at least the way stats look a bad game all around on both sides the both sides of the ball like south carolina had a bad game georgia had a bad game neither of these teams especially when you don't uh consider turnover margin both of these teams had a bad game and in fact, if you really look into it, Georgia had a good game in some aspects, but then decided to throw away the ball, um, so to speak. Uh, and it was their game to lose, which is what's something we mentioned mentioned a little bit earlier. But um, let's just go down the advanced box score real quick. So I got South Carolina had 12 drives. Georgia had 14 plays. South Carolina had 68 to Georgia's 95. South Carolina offensive yards, 297, 468 for Georgia. Scoring opportunities, South Carolina 4 Georgia seven um, average field position 33 for South Carolina and 27.8 for Georgia. So just looking at that alone, um, it's incredibly unfortunate that Georgia still had 468 yards of offense and seven scoring opportunities, but still only managed to get 17 points on the day. Um, South Carolina's uh, punter played like lights out. Like their punter was incredible. They, 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 had a great game. Uh, Georgia's average field position, just 27 point in the day. That's outstanding uh, when it really comes to it. Um, Georgia had way above average. Uh, the average plays for a team is 69.2, whereas Georgia had 95 on the day. Um, it's another unfortunate stat. Like 
the only reason I'm, I'm kind of pointing these out is just to kind of say like these are the things we need to look at if we want to try and define this game for what it was and try to point at stats that might kind of help us define what went wrong you know what I mean um what do you think I mean sorry I'm I'm ruminating over here you I, are I know I mean honestly one of the one of the reasons that SMP plus does the thing that it does and I mean let's be real even even post divorce even post amicable breakup this is very much an SMP plus podcast yes um one of the reasons that one of the like core things that SP plus does is it says if you took all the stats that are involved in this game and you threw them in the air and you simulated who would win the game that's the most important thing to look at more than the stats Georgia had a 92% win probability on this game now if you think about the way the game played out to me it doesn't strike me that the mistakes that we made that lost us the game are symptomatic of a team that is bad we didn't look inept we just made bad mistakes at bad times I guess my, my basic premise statistically in this game is that you have to just be okay with the fact that this is a game that we probably shouldn't have lose, mm-hmm. lost. And so if that makes you upset, that's fine. But at the end of the day, predictively, it should tell you that this is still a good team. Some deeply weird stuff happened and we lost. Listen, if you've never had that happen to you personally, like in life, I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes weird stuff happens and you get dumped on your 17th birthday in the band room parking lot just after a a cat bit you like 25 times at your job. You know, the big the biggest thing is that this is this is a game that UGA objectively by pretty much every statistical manner shouldn't have lost. And yet we still did. So, yes. Does that suck? Yes. Does that make it like deeply ironic? Do we sometimes feel like the, you know, the tragic uh, figure from an ancient Greek play? Yeah, sure. And that's fine. But two things. One, at the end of the day, we're not from South Carolina. So the, the tragic Greek play we're in is an Oedipus. And two, if you think about stats the way you should predictively, this there's nothing about this game that tells us that this team is bad. It is actually hard to... It was... Yeah, it was like a decade ago. It is actually hard to have seven scoring trips and only score 10 points. It's Or 13 points or whatever. It's genuinely hard to do that. Chances are, if we run up 478 yards against basically any random SEC team, we're going to win the game. So honestly, like, I have some things to say about the coaching, although I don't even know what to say about it now. And, but at the end of the day, if we do the, if we play the exact same game three or four times or ten times, we're going to win nine of them. Yep. I, I will say there are some really funny stats in here that kind of tell a different story of what actually ended up being the the final score of the game. For instance, the success rate, which is something we kind of laud, is like the our favorite uh our favorite stat because a team with a better success rate typically means that they will win the game nine times out of ten 83 percent of the time actually yeah there you go that's a more exact statistic so uh for instance success rate real quick so south carolina rushing 33 percent georgia rushing 53 percent uh south carolina passing 34 percent georgia passing 42 percent standard downs for south carolina 38 percent 53 percent for georgia South Carolina passing downs 24%, Georgia 31% uh, on the game, both these teams, South Carolina 34% and Georgia 46%. Overall, across the board, South Carolina had significantly below average success rate mm-hmm. on in, in every aspect, with Georgia being above average, as they normally do in every aspect of the game. So it, it was a very odd game. Well, no, it, it's actually like what Georgia did was we just got a zero on a multiple choice test. Yeah. It's actually harder to do that than it is to get a 60. Like a series of ridiculous coincidences have to all pan out at the exact same time for it to happen. So I guess what I'm saying is like sometimes oh, I'm trying to think of a way that's, that this works for our new PG-13 format. <laughs> sometimes you are in a consensual relationship with fate and sometimes fate leaves you unsatisfied and that's just the way it is, you know? That's just, that's just, that's life. That's the way like, you know, life in a universe that experiences entropy works. You know, we got a round ball, we got 18 year olds and we have entropy with those three factors. And then, you know, some, just the fact that God hates us, it, this is going to happen occasionally. Like I, I, it's, I, I'm not trying to be like, I'm not really trying to be like pert about this or anything, but like, it, I really, I really don't see what the to do is because at the end of the day, it's it's not it like to me personally like second and 26 was way more heartbreaking yeah and i was there for both of those the 2012 
SEC championship was way more heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. Like, I, this is not even in... I told Samantha right after the game, like, I was calling her, I was walking home, and I was calling her, and I was like, I don't actually think this is, like, a top five worst loss that I have attended. You know what was worse than this? When we lost, like, 13-6 to to freaking George O'Leary UCF my senior year in my last game in Redcoats. That was worse than this. Like, I, I, I don't know what to say to people who get so upset about it. It's like, listen, first off, bud, you signed up for, like, a really, really cursed tribe. So you should have known what you were getting into. <laughs> if, if this bothers you, don't even, like, don't even get in. Um, and second, like, you know, how do you think the Browns feel? What about yeah, the Indians? What the about Cubs. the Cubs? Yeah, yeah until, like, three the years Boston ago. Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox until 2004. The Yankees sucked kind of briefly for a second. I bet that was bad for those. We were so jackasses. spoiled to think that. Yeah. Like this is bad for us. Yeah. I'm not taking the cursing out of the part where I hate the Yankees. I do hate the Yankees. <laughs> All this to say, they, I mean, there there were some very specific stats that we could actually point to to I say mean, four, four where turnover, we lost. Four, four turnovers, turnovers are, kills anybody. But but even more importantly, like 11 points of turnover block. Every yeah. turnover is worth about six. Every turnover is worth about six points, and you should recover about half of your turnovers. Mm-hmm. Since we didn't. We're, yeah. We actually were owed almost two touchdowns worth, quote unquote, owed two touchdowns worth of turnovers. Yeah. Like, for instance, I'll give you a really good example. Let's say that James Coley and Kirby Smart decide that, you know, Tyler Simmons is a great guy. He doesn't have very good hands and he shouldn't be playing because we have more talented people on him than him on the roster who are behind him and younger than him. Mm-hmm. And so they put in, I don't know, Matt Landers, Dominic Blaylock, and he doesn't fumble that ball up into the air and we don't throw a pick in the last five minutes of the game. We probably win the game. Yep. Let's say that a very good center who is probably going to be a future All American and Trey Young just decides not to like jam the ball into his own perineum and <laughs> we don't fumble that snap. That was the scientific term for that part of your body. Yeah, just for the right. record. That was not even PG thirteen. That was PG. You can look it up yourself. It's yep. in textbooks. That might be G. That might be G. Yeah. Yeah. Guidance suggested. Don't let your kid around in like anthropology textbook if you don't like sex. <laughs> Anyway, or perineums for that matter. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an erogenous zone is all I'm saying. Um, (laughs) I've decided that if we have to go PG-13, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do that by being just like way too. anatomically correct. (laughs) Well, no, I'm going to do that in the Shakespeare way where like all the sex is like between the sentences, but somehow it's worse than it would have been if I had just said it. Hey, my favorite part about being PG-13 actually is that you get exactly one fuck. Yeah. And you just wasted it. You just wasted our... (laughs) I clicked Ugh, it out so we can actually God. use it. So that that's something that people can actually look forward to. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I do I do want to see it. I, I do want to say, and we, we can just go ahead and get this down on the record. Uh, you know, if you're listening to the the edited version of this, you probably heard Justin say something about how we were going to, you know, become a PG-13 podcast. Let me just tell you, my friend, the Florida preview episode, not going to be a PG-13 podcast. It's not podcast. even going to be a public episode. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, like, That's going to be it, behind paywall. <laughs> genuinely, like the Florida preview episode might go out to like 10 people because I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say like at any given time ever in my life. But when the Florida preview episode happens, you know that like the oracles at Delphi, they had built their uh, temple over hot springs that emitted noxious gases. This is actually true. Uh, Apollo, the god of prophecy, had been secretized from Mycenaean Greece, and he was originally not the god of prophecy, but the uh, a, a temple of Apollo at Delphi was built over a a bunch of uh, like warm springs, basically, that emitted this noxious gas. So you had these priestesses who would go into their t- temple, and they would just trip balls, and they would come out, and they would just <laughs> spew gibberish, right? And that's actually why, this is a true story, that's actually why Apollo is the... Um, is that's why Apollo is the god of prophecy, and that's what happens to me during the during the Florida preview. I just like go into this sort of like fugue state, and then whatever I say, like I have to listen to that one afterwards to get what I said. So I I do want to kind of talk about the explosiveness on both teams. So for both teams, it was well below average, and you can kind of talk about this being being at the game and being able to view the game um, from your seat. Uh, ISO PPP is what I'm viewing right now. I, I am viewing the advanced box score from Bill Connolly, which is something we viewed last year. And uh, I could also link this in the, the episode notes if you'd like. Because I'll be real. I wrote this big thing and I was like, oh, it's an advanced stat, uh, advanced stat column, but it doesn't have advanced stat. A- acting as though I had done the advanced stats. I didn't do that. That was part of my therapy for this week. That was part <laughs> of my like treating myself. I just didn't do it. Nope. I'll do it for UK, but I didn't, I didn't do it for USC. I'm, I'm not putting myself through it. Anyway, carry on. Carry on. 
South Carolina, uh, for instance, ISO PPP would be the, the explosiveness per play. So at, at what rate are you actually executing explosive plays? So South Carolina, for instance, on rushing plays, they were 0.72, which is the the average for a team uh, is 0.9, with Georgia doing 0.52 on rushing plays, uh, which is something we probably all viewed. Everyone was talking about how conservative the rush game was, which we can talk about in just a moment. Um, South Carolina was 1.11 passing uh, Georgia 1.07, which the national average is 1.49, well below average. Standard downs, 0.88 for South Carolina. Georgia, 0.74. The national average is 1.07. The pass downs for South Carolina, 0.99. Georgia, 1.10. National average is 1.54. Overall game for both is South Carolina, 0.91. Georgia, 0.81, with the national average sitting at 1.18. So just from your experience and kind of watching the game and kind of probably watching it two or three times, I don't know if you actually did or not, but typically you, you, you tend to do such a thing. What can you tell me about the stats and how the play calling looked overall? Well, I mean, the best thing that the best thing that South Carolina did was tackle in space on this game. Mm-hmm. That's basically why they won the game. There were two or three plays where if they miss a tackle, we probably get a touchdown and just win the game. I think that there's been all sorts of talk about the play calling and I've made the talk to and if you look in the statistics of it which dog stats has you know it seems to me that the only thing that really bears out so far that we've looked at is that basically UJ was trying to run out of 11 and 12 personnel which it has not been successful at UJ also and I don't have the stats to back this up yet but I'm working on it UJ also ran a lot out of the ran a lot of plays out of the empty set which has not been super successful this year and what I would think was even worse was that we ran a lot of plays out of like uh, under center which mm. doesn't make any sense to me because like we've like so traditionally not traditionally in the past year or two the thing that we've had success doing is that we run out of the shotgun and we do like a very oklahoma thing out of the shotgun where you know it's wider splits there's more time for your running backs with good vision and explosiveness to pick their holes and then you also have like you know the, the disadvantage of running out of the shotgun is a lot of times you have dudes with one-on-one blocks especially in zone blocking scenes where you just have to make the block on your guy but in the past few years that that's been that's been like a good situation for UGA because we generally just have more talented one-on-one players than one-on-one. We have more talented players than them. Now what's weird to me is I don't think this South Carolina defensive front is, is worse than say Bama's from last year or Auburn's from two years ago, or even Auburn's from last year or is better than them. I mean, Javon Kinlaw had a great game, but like, it was like we got scared of running out of the shotgun so early in the game and just kept lining up under center, something we have not been doing. And then when we were under center, we don't have a fullback on the team and we don't have a, we don't have a tight end who can block the way we need to, to run out from under center to get a man advantage. So it just, it made no sense from top to bottom to me. Some of the schematic things we were doing. I also think that, you know, in terms of explosiveness, this was just a bad day for Jake Fromm. Mm-hmm. It's the worst game I've ever seen him play. And I, I've yeah. been at all but like two of the games that he's played at. And it he was just off. He was off on stuff that were completions. He was off on incompletions. He was off on interceptions. He was off on a touchdown. Like he was just, dude was just off. So like that's going to happen. Your explosiveness is going to go down when you can't hit, you know, pinpoint throws to the sidelines. Do you want to talk about some media talking points? Nah, not really. <laughs> I do want to. So the, the purpose of bringing this up though, this is important because this is something that we can uh, actually equip listeners with uh, because these media talking points are things that people are also saying, not just media. It's the things that people are saying within the uh, fan base and kind of arguing about and trying to figure out themselves. Things like, for instance, um, at the end of regulation. Yeah. With the choice between having Jake Fromm, who has been having a very strange day, and having Hot Rod shoot or kick a field goal that was a, a very, it, it was at the top of his ceiling and the top of his ability. It was 58 I think yards. it was 58, yeah. It's 58 yards, which was definitely within his range, but a much lower stakes kick than the kick to win the game or not win the game. And, and the whole stadium cheering his name and everything. What, what was the purpose it, or are there any statistics to kind of prove or disprove the uh, the reasoning behind choosing to let Jake Fromm continue running the offense instead of putting Hot Rod in right there before regulation. Um, okay, hold on. I would also like a beer if we're going to do that thing. Just had to get one of these open for this one. Okay, Alrighty. there we go. Yep, Let's we'll answer this thing. question. The biggest problem with that decision... Okay, so there's a reason that decision-making uh, matrix happens, and the reason is 
basically most well-prepared coaches and don't don't forget Kirby is a well-prepared coach will have a chart or a basically like a, a number in their like head a flow chart right right they have a flow chart for decisions like this but they also just have a number in their head where they say this guy is good from x my suspicion is that Kirby in his head said this guy is good from 53 so we're five yards short so we go and we line that play back up and we so basically we have time to run a play and then kick the field goal and then of course when we run the play the worst thing happens we take a sack and then it's out of range and i don't mind running the play because you're like okay you know he's good from 53 we're at 58 yeah let's just let's just win this game and get out of here so let's just get the five yards so that's fine but it doesn't make sense when you're in that that frame of decision making to then call like a deep sideline pass it was it was so weird to me like run it up the middle or run it outside like i don't horror of horrors running it outside like the outside zone zone was just dead you know do something to just a, a a high a high margin play you know what I mean? Because what we did was we tried to run it up the middle and we got sacked for like, a, not sacked, but we had a tackle for a loss for like four yards, I think. Yeah, we get to do And then stuff. he was out of range. And so if you're going to, if you're going to try to get the extra yards, do something that's going to feasibly get you the extra yards. And I'm not saying do something that you anecdotally think will get you the extra yards or that you want to prove to get the extra yards because you want to establish the run game. Get something that in the flow of the game that will get you the yards you need. And then I'll be and then I'll be fine with it, right? But if you're not gonna do that, just kick the damn field goal because it's not as easy as saying, okay, he's good from this yards, this yardage, and he's not good from this yardage, right? Because in that moment, that kick is worth way more than a deep shot to the sideline. It's worth way more. Because let's say he makes that kick one out of ten times. How often are you scoring on that deep shot? How often are you scoring on that run up the middle? way less if you just take it on a like expected points added or like a if you take the successful version of both plays and you say how often are those going to happen Raharad's hitting that kick more than you're scoring a touchdown on those plays so like it's not the fact that they didn't kick it's that it's a the play call in place of the kick and b the sort of like and this is my this is my criticism of kirby it's not it's not a scheme thing it's not a play calling thing it's not a part of the field thing it's not a run up the middle thing it's just purely the idea that we have a way that we play and we just play that way. You know who thinks like that? Triple option coaches. You know who's never won a national championship? A triple option coach. Right? And so that kind of like regressive win on the margins thinking, it does two things for you. Right? There's there's two reasons that you think like that. You either think like that because you're conservative and you just want to win at all costs. Or you think like that because you have less talent than the other team and you want to make the game slower and closer. But what's stupid is that this was a game where we had more talent than the other team. So all we did was put more pressure on ourselves and lower the margin available because we had less times where our talented guys could beat their talented guys based on the way we played. And that's all I have to say about that. So with all that in mind, the next question was, was the play calling really all that conservative, which you've already kind of answered, but... Can the stats actually tell us this through personality stats or otherwise? Yes. I mean, and if you look at, I hate to keep, keep pointing out, pointing them out, but if you look at dog stats, uh, he's got a really good post about like calls. I think the problem with the, with the calls in this game was actually, it was less about, it was more formational than it was where the calls were going. Uh, and just the inability to get away from what we had planned to do. That's my problem. It's not that you plan to come out in an empty backfield and throw the ball around. That's fine. Maybe you like the matchup. It's not that you decide you're going to run out from under center. That's fine. Maybe you like the matchup for some own godly known reason, right? It's that that doesn't work and you keep doing it for four quarters. That's the problem. What was plan B or was that plan B? It's not clear to me that we have a, a coherent philosophy of offense other than that we just want to run the ball and establish the run, but that doesn't mean anything it's it, it is it is vacuous to the point of meaninglessness because everybody wants to run the ball how do you want to run the ball do you want to run outside zone do you want to run out of the shotgun do you want to run your quarterback do you want to run the damn triple option what do you want to do it doesn't mean anything we're not running the toss sweep which was like the you know signature play of the uh mark richt era we're not really running power or iso Right. So we're running inside zone, outside zone, we're running bash. Right. Those are all good plays. Right. So if our identity is, OK, we're going to run zone concepts outside out of the shotgun and we just think we have better offensive line talent and better running back talent than everybody. I'm totally fine with that. Why the. <laughs> just why are you doing that then? Why aren't you running a counter off that bash? Why aren't you having Jake Fromm take a designed read? Why aren't you having 
Like, just do anything to develop off of that punch because the philosophy of offense is not an arsenal. It is the thing you like to do. This is kind of akin to being like, okay, I'm a boxer and my best punch is the le- is the right jab. So that's all I'm going to do. No, the right jab does not work without the setup, the payoff, and the counter. None of it works. Like, a philosophy is a core of what you want to do. It is not an entire reason for being. It's kind of like, I mean... Th- it's like if all Nietzsche had to say was like about the Ubermensch and like just the record, Nietzsche's a Nazi. So let's not use that as an example. It's like, it's like if your philosophy was just that, like, uh, you know, we create our own meaning and you were like, I'm an existentialist. We create our own meaning. And then you stopped writing. That's not a philosophy. That's just like the first, that's the thesis of what you're saying. Right. So it doesn't like, that's that's the thing to me it's not uh it's not even now that i've talked myself out of it really it's not even a formational thing <laughs> it's not a play calling thing it's just like what do you want to do and the answer when is not enough what do you what do you want to do on offense and don't tell me you want to run the ball don't tell me you want to be physical those don't mean anything what do you want to do the last question i have here from a media standpoint is are uga's playoff hopes actually over no carry on do you want to tell me how I can tell you how to. I actually have this. If we win all our games today. and win the SEC championship, we're going to the playoffs. It's not. It's it's. It's not even going to be close. You win the rest of your games, you go to the playoffs. Period. Full stop. Well, with that being said, I know that we've had a, a few fourteen playoffs in the last few years. So this is the kind of the argument that I was making the other day. Is that um, my coworkers were talking to me about how this is kind of a big deal or how. You know, everyone's making a big deal about it, and they they're like, "Oh, well, Georgia's still really good; like, they can still go to the playoffs." And I kind of laid out this this idea for them, and I, I kind of believe this to an extent. Georgia getting to the SEC championship or getting through the SEC championship with either one loss or no losses was super important to probably extending the playoffs from four teams to eight teams. And the reason being is because at the end of the regular season, the the typical season, you're you have three teams, Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, who are vying for those four spots. Now, Georgia is not within the four spots now, according to the AP poll. But if we do win out, we probably get pretty close, but we don't get to the five spot. Whereas if we didn't lose any games, we'd be in the three or the four spot with LSU you know, knocking the door at five or four. And so with all that in mind, it's it's kind of a, an issue when we do get to the point where, where the NCAA is allowed to uh, decide whether or not they want to extend it. But um, is this going to be an issue when we do get to actually decide who the top four are? Um, if we have, for instance, Alabama, well, Clemson, Ohio State, and what, LSU or Oklahoma undefeated? Yeah, well, no, it's not going to matter because every other time that there's been every other time that there's been a close decision with a team that has lost to an unranked team. So Ohio State a couple of years ago. Clemson, I think this happened to Clemson, Clemson a couple Syracuse. of years ago. Right. Every other time that team did not then go on and beat Auburn. Alabama or LSU and Florida. They did not beat the number one team in the nation, the number six team in the nation and the number eight team in the nation or whatever that would be. Right. And yeah, that that's a, that's a tall task. And I don't know if, if UGA can do it, but the idea that somehow UGA is eliminated from the playoffs right now is, is ludicrous. Now you go out there and like, you know, crap the bed against Kentucky, then yeah, sure. But like right now, if we lost the Florida game, we were probably out of the playoffs anyway, my dudes. Like I'm, I hate to tell you this. Like that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's pretty. All yeah, this does is happen. it lowers the margin. If of that error. happens, and if anything, you should feel better because at least now we'll know, and we won't have to sit there the night before and make just. God, it's hard not to cuss. It, we don't just have to make <laughs> fools of ourselves the night before the playoff selection, right? And so that, I actually like that better. Honestly, I need to drink more. <laughs> um. So the very last piece before we actually get into our Ask CBC and other pieces is the prediction review. Over-unders, real quick. So yeah. my first over-under was a Helensky completion rate, 55%. I said over, you said under. Uh, he was, I, th- I believe, at around 75. Before he got hurt. He was 15 out of 20, yeah. Uh, the next one is over-under. UGA, 174.5 uh, rushing yards. We both said over. It was uh, right above that. I think it was like 182 or so. Over-under, 2.5 UGA defensive sacks. We both said over. It was zero. Yep. Over, <laughs> over under 0.5 UGA sacks surrendered. I said over, you said under. It was, I believe, three on Jake Fromm. And then over under one and a half Lawrence Cager touchdowns. I said over, uh, under, you said over. Uh, Lawrence Cager had no touchdowns, unfortunately. 
I do believe you won the point differential, however. Now, now I'm sad. Yeah, I know. It was it was a weird over-under. It's like one of those things where I, I usually want to gloat if I beat you. Um, and I did beat you this time, but I don't feel good about it. Uh, you won the point differential by just 25 points. I had a 31-point differential. Uh, your <laughs> your prediction was 38-16 Georgia. Mine was 34-6 Georgia. My gut feeling, as I told you before, was like a, a 40-0. to zero. I was hoping this would be a shutout. If we... we if we left the first quarter with South Carolina at zero points, I felt like this would be a game that we actually shut out South Carolina, which that did not happen. So uh, that scenario will remain unknown for now. We do have a few SCPCs before we go into things. Uh, we, we have a, a special segment for the show, but before we get there, we'll go into some SCPCs real quick. So if you would like to hear your questions answered on the show, just make sure to reach out to us with a hashtag AskCBC or regular old email chapelbellcurve at gmail.com the very first question comes from it's dot 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 alan ivoroni's account subjective narrative time kirby is an elite recruiter obs but his play calling especially at crunch time is killing any chance this team has to win a national championship what say you i say dabble lost to west virginia 70 to 7 like eight years before he won the national championship next question hot damn ben shepherd if y'all were on the Spike Squad, what would your outfit slash paint theme be? So can we do a Chapel Bell Curve paint theme? Yeah. I mean, it would definitely have like the Chapel Bell Curve logo on the chest, but I would be like way too sexual Bucky Barnes. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> like nipples uncovered. Like normal okay. Bucky Barnes suit. Do you, so hold on. Do Speedo, you do like nipples uncovered and maybe like a big cybernetic prosthetic bulge? I think you need like one nipple uncovered so you can like kind of play to the the bell curve theme. Yeah, and then everybody who looks at me, I'm just like, who the hell is Bucky? Or alternatively, Kylo Ren on the top, party on the bottom. So you do so that that scene where he has like the pants all the way to his nipples. You yeah, do the yeah, opposite. but reverse, reverse. <laughs> His and shirt it's just, all the way it's to his just red body paint. It's red body paint from the navel down. <laughs> That's our Chapel Bell Curve Spike Squad outfit. <laughs> yep. You wear whatever you want, my boys. Uh, that's that's my choice. Look, do you want to be intimidating? <laughs> just show your grind you, to everybody. That'll do it. Next question comes from Chris Dixon. Enjoying the season as much as ever. What would a very rough tier list for SEC marching bands look, please? No. I- no, I'm not answering this question on air. Just go and watch some performances and be like, mm, that one's good. Here's how you make a tier list of the SEC bands. Go watch the bands and then support them because bands work hard. Next question. That's or all the questions actually question? have. <laughs> yeah. What are your favorite self-care tips? Okay, here's mine. So the number one thing that we do is that we commodify our time and we think that every moment has to be like squeezed of all of its efficiency. And I'm really, I know this is going to shock you, but I'm really guilty of this. So my number one self-care tip is just to give yourself time and say to yourself, time enjoyed is never time wasted. Time enjoyed is never time wasted. Whatever you do in this hour that you have given yourself, you will not criticize yourself for. Even if the answer to what you did for that hour is nothing. That's fine because you're taking care of yourself and you're giving yourself what you need. So if your mind is like, you know what? I don't want to read. I want to stare into space. That's fine. That's what you have to do. You have to like remove the stigma of doing what you want to do from from the time that you give yourself. That's my advice. I've never actually put words to it, but the fact just listening to you kind of put words to your self-care routine is really important for my self-care routine because that's more or less what I do. I sit there and I ask myself, what is the one thing I want to do in this moment? And that's the thing I end up doing, whether that's vegging out and kind of giving in to my ADHD and just like playing a video game for eight hours. That sometimes happens. Like the last time that I had a real intense self-care routine was when I played nine hours of the Spider-Man video game on PS3 or PS4. I don't know what PlayStation it is. There's so many PlayStations out now. Um, The latest PlayStation, I bought the Spider-Man game for it and I played it really for a really long time. Um, But most often this usually is me hopping on my bike and riding for 
as long as I can until I have to call my wife and say, please come pick me up. <laughs> and that's self-care for me until I can wear myself out oh, and I have say, an, please I, come pick I me up. I have another piece of advice. And mm-hmm. this, people are going to hate this, but here's the thing. If you want to become a runner, all you have to do is put on running shoes and clothes that you can sweat in and just start running. That's right. It doesn't matter how fast you run. You just go outside and you run. Put on music. Put on this podcast. It doesn't matter. I promise you, you will always feel better. You will always feel better at the end of a run unless you fall down and scrape your knee up really bad. In which case you won't, but you'll still feel good that you did run. And running can be any speed. Yeah. Just, yeah, I just want to say that. Yeah. You know, like, I, I run like every day. A lot of days I run like 13 minute miles, which are really slow. That's like barely jogging. I mean, it's like 4.30 to be fair, but also like the, you're, you're, there's only a slight caloric advantage to running like a 10 minute mile versus a 15 minute mile. Yeah. So like if you're just trying to get in better shape and you want something that like veges you out and makes you feel better, go run. Uh, Abby's next question is favorite CBC merch item. Well, I, I'm going to say the trucker hat that we haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> it's still in the mail. <laughs> I think it's going to be really good. It's a nice embroidered trucker hat, and I think you should grab it because it's beautiful and it's our logo. My favorite CBC merch item is the one that I have not made yet that I'm very excited about is the the future fanny pack that is going to be a mixture of red coats and Athens and Georgia doodles all over a fanny pack that is going to be here one day soon. I'm going to buy the crap out of that. Wear it however you want. Because some people wear it on their shoulder for some reason. And some people wear it on their fanny. The American fanny, not the UK fanny. Because apparently that's offensive. That's a virgina. Yep. <laughs> a virgina? Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Joel. PG-13, do you like? Uh, might be doubling up on Abby's question, but what's your best way to ease the sting following a game like that? Beers, here's, whiskey, are no, no, a given. No. Here's, a, here's, a better, here's a better idea. Do this. First, go on your social media and all the people you follow because they're funny about sports, unfollow all of them. Then, unsubscribe to like every podcast but this one. I'm not joking. I literally did this. I unfollowed like 15 people who I actually genuinely like. I unsubscribed from like three podcasts I really like. I follow like two comedy podcasts th- and th- this podcast and waiting since last Saturday right now. There's no, there's no reason to subject yourself to the slings and arrows of the rest of humanity just because you feel like it makes you a stronger person. Like, you know how I deal with people who are talking all this like disingenuous, like bad faith BS to UGA right now? I just don't hear them because I'm at home reading pulp fantasy novels. And it's really hard for me to get upset or angry when I'm just not seeing what they've said. And they can just... I just watch those moments of engagement that I can have with them walk past me and go into another universe where I'm not as healthy with myself. Just don't, you know, the people that are going to make you angry. So just don't look at their stuff. Unfollow them, block them. It's not that hard. For me, the one thing I had done in the past was I would uh, lean real hard in the party aspect of it because i'd usually be at a party already for the game i'd be at a watch party or be at the game and so we would go downtown or we were already downtown and we would just kind of lean into that aspect of it but something that i realized was really helpful with this past game was i was already in the mountains and i was able to unplug and something that i've done in the past was i would hop on twitter i would hop on the um like on Reddit and just kind of see what other people are saying about the game. And that would kind of work me up uh, to a point where I was yeah. at a point where I couldn't be helped or saved. And yeah. so what was so really just miserable. Me, exactly. You just become miserable. But I was in a place where I couldn't even open my phone because I had no service. And that was the most helpful thing of all was I was with my favorite person in the world, which is my wife. And I was able to sit and hang out with her and forget about football for a little while, even though, and this is something I told her, I was like, you know, it's really hard to get somewhere when you expect you're going to be able to watch the LSU Florida game and then you can't watch it because you didn't prepare to watch it <laughs> because I didn't have a way to watch it because I didn't have any service. But it ended up being a blessing in disguise because I didn't have to think about football for the next 24 hours. Here's here's another piece of advice to build off of that is what I do after a bad loss is and I know a lot of people aren't that aren't don't have the privilege of doing this like the way I do it but I have sort of like two buckets of things that I'm interested in like I like sports but I like and then the other thing that I like are like really super deep cut nerd stuff and the thing is most of the people that I know that like one of them don't like the other like the only person there are two people in my life that like both of the things as deep a cut as I do and one of them is on this recording right now and that's Joel <laughs> and the other one is Ethan 
And like, if I'm not, and like, I'll be honest, like I don't talk to Ethan after losses because I know we'll just make each other sadder sometimes. So what I do instead is I just go and I talk to my friend Peter who just wants to draw and talk about RPGs and doesn't know how football is played. Or I go and read like fantasy novels written in Thailand or like science fiction novels from Japan and none of those people know anything about football. And it's like a magical transportation device where it's like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I didn't care about football? And then you're like, hold on a second. I can just not care about football for a minute. That's my that's my. So just go and do the other thing that doesn't have any. Everybody has someone in their life or something they like in their life where everyone associated with it is like, I don't know what football is. And they're kind of proud of it. Mm-hmm. Go find those people because they're they're healthier than you. I am lucky enough to have, and I think this applies to you as well, is my wife is somebody that's like just as fierce about football as I, football as I am, but the moment they lost, she was like, that sucks. Let's go do something else. <laughs> and that was it. And it was great. Um, Abby did ask one more question. What is your favorite spot on campus in Impertensies, your happy place? Yeah, it's the trellis in the Founders Garden. There's a gravel path if you go past. And the Founders Garden, like if you're facing it from North Campus, um, to the left-hand side, there's like a koi pond. And then there's a long gravel path. And then there's a trellis. And that's where I got engaged. So that's where Mm -hmm. it is. Um, Mine would be if you're looking at North Campus from Broad Street, there is a huge magnolia tree. That on the left hand side there on the left hand side yeah that sits right above this sign that says university of georgia and underneath that tree is like a beautiful space where you can hang a hammock or just sit on the ground or just be that place was also part of your like engagement it thing. was yeah, yeah part of my engagement so i had a scavenger hunt for my engagement um that i sent anna on and she went to that spot just because that's the spot that she and i would go to when things got too stressful or things just we just need to escape for a little while and it was really nice to be able to escape within our own town which this town is somewhere where we love uh everything um we love this town a whole lot and so it was just a really great space to be able to escape to without having to go too far i i really like that tree do you ever just like lay on north campus and look at the trees yes and feel the universe slowly breathe in and out oh it's so good <laughs> oh my god I've read too much transcendental literature. Are <laughs> right, we got anything else? We have so a few things. I'm trying to find them real quick. Okay. So one thing we asked listeners before we actually recorded this episode was, hey, what are some of your favorite positive personal experiences or memories that uh, you related to UGA or Georgia? I always say UGA for some reason. And a listener recently said, why do you say that? And, because it's uh, more specific. Because UGA is an institution <laughs> and Georgia is a state. Yes. So uh, we, we got a lot of really great responses. And because this is an episode where we're trying to uh, get everybody kind of to relate to the experience and not just the football game and this silly game that a bunch of uniformed teenagers play in, with an oblong ball. We're trying to get you back to what this really is about. And for us, that is especially important. And so we had a lot of folks respond. And so we wanted to share some of those with you guys. So the first one comes from Ryan Clark. And he started off by saying, well, I mean, UGA is how I met everyone who is a close friend to me today, especially my wife, which is very true and which is true for me as well. Without, um, probably without Ryan and Heather actually getting married, I don't know if... Anna and I would have had as many moments when we did to get to know each other all over again. We knew each other in high school and I knew her older sisters in high school too, but, and we were close friends in high school, but when we got older without those experiences uh, and Ryan kind of paving the way and then Scotty behind him, I don't know if Anna and I would have been married as soon as we did, or if we even would have gotten married. And I know that Georgia played a, a big role in shaping Ryan and Heather and then Anna as well with their red coat experience. Uh, and so I can relate there. Ryan also mentioned uh, Kyle Andrich on the Auburn trip in 2006 in the bus. He said that they were on the way back to Athens and he was making a speech about how it was so hard to hate Auburn fans and how they were so polite and nice clapping for the band as they rolled out of Auburn. Suddenly they passed a line of fans with middle fingers saluting their buses and he just went off on them questioning the nature of their parenthood, something about sleeping with their sisters, and some other vulgarities about them in general. 
The flow with which he switched form was just chef's kiss, is what he says. Um, that might not make it to the public episode, but there it is for you. <laughs> oh, man. One of my favorite memories from Redcoats was when after the 2006 Chick-fil-A Bowl, uh, Kyle Andrich and uh, Kyle and Kelsey Andrich were from Birmingham and they had to drive back home. And so they came back to my house in Clem, <laughs> my mom's house in Clem, and Kyle and I uh drank i i think like hypnotic or something that we <laughs> I have had a hypnotic story as well yes yeah yeah so it does, that part doesn't matter but ended up we ended up in my old childhood bunk beds taught like literally talking about girls until like 3 a.m it was really great um okay so i have i have one from tiffany Owenby. owenb tiffany owenb and it just says this 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 and all that it implies then heart and it's a picture of her from her wedding with the like 35 red coats that she invited from to her wedding around her with you it was a really good time yeah i wasn't i was in this one too uh kyle bank actually threw out an, uh, a question or an experience dinner with friends in the dining hall arranged daily via group chat uh mondays were bolton old bolton in parentheses tuesday o house uh wednesdays ecv with the buffalo chicken pizza thursday snelling friday ecv and these mm-hmm. were actually my wife has has spoken of these that mm-hmm. these were really important buffalo to her, pizza. uh because mm, so she actually dated somebody that was originally a sousaphone <laughs> uh which is a part of this group chat why you gotta bring that shit up i now? just want i'm not gonna say who they were i'm just saying okay, that, that, that yeah, happened yeah, that's yeah, all yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i have no ill will towards them yeah yeah, yeah. okay i've got one Garrett Sherman, uh, or Shearman, Garrett Shearman, Shearman on the Twitter said, aside from all the times that friends in the student section shared their fries, I'd say collectively huddling in the West End Zone with people I didn't know during the TV timeout before LSU's last series at Sanford in 2013. Yeah, those are good moments when you like make friends with the randos around you in the in the football stadium that you'll never see again. Yeah, and it's like really powerful. Yeah, that hasn't happened to me much because most of the time I know the people around me. <laughs> um, but that is a really good experience. You got uh, any more? Yeah. Uh, Ian, actually, Floppy454, met my now fiance freshman year at Creswell helping a friend move in. We're getting married in Athens in March. UJ has given me everything good in my life right now. A person to spend the rest of my life with, a great education that led to a life-changing job, a close group of friends, and some amazing mo- uh, memories. <laughs> and he said, plus $40,000 in debt. But <laughs> that's part of it, my friend. Uh, Abby added, so fun fact, I didn't go to UGA. I went to a school with a theater program that was more live theater based and not film based like UGA's was at the time. They are developing a music theater program at the moment that one of my old professors is heading up. But I grew up with UGA football because my mom was a UGA grad. She was there during the Herschel Walker years. She loves to tell me the story of how she jumped the turnstiles at the Sugar Bowl the year they won the national championship so they could watch the game. I graduated from my school with a theater degree in management and moved to NYC and was in serious need of some Georgia people because I was getting homesick. I found American Whiskey Bar, which I'm not actually aware of, um, when we were averaging 9-3 seasons. Sounds like Mark Richt era. And the crowd was light, but I met some amazing damn good dogs who took me in like family and I never, I ended up never barking alone from then on. Kyle Bank did add at the end here another fave, Sousa House Parties, which you lived in the Sousa House, right? Yeah, that, they were. this was my house. I well, went to Sousa House and Parties his house, as well. Yeah. A lot of people who I have since met, you know, Peter mm-hmm. went to a couple of Sousa Parties. Really? Yeah. He was dating a guy in red coats, like separate from the Sousa section who was just like, yeah, come to this party. Huh. So like Peter, my like life mate and I, yeah. like we're around each other. He was like drinking the the punch that I had made or whatever. I think about a lot. Like the first day I got to Redcoat Camp, I was so like out of my depth and like I was so scared of everyone and I just didn't know how to act around humans and I was just so insecure. And we went to Magnolia Buffet out there on 441. I had no idea where we were. And they took me back over to the Sousa house. And it was like my first taste of Athens was walking to that Sousa house and like being like, oh, they got a flat screen TV and like video games and stuff. <laughs> But it's weird to me now. It's so surreal that like that's like a quarter, a mile and a half away from where I currently live Mm -hmm. and how like, you know, these seemingly insignificant moments can be the foundation of how your life moves on from them. And that's like such a really that's a really powerful thing for me. And you can be at a place and then suddenly that place is just your home. And it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing because it's like you you know, it's not the home that you were given or the home you were born into. It's the home that you made. And like every time 
I drive past, every time I drive down Cedar Shoals, I think like, you know, the east side of Athens, this is the home that I made. This is the home I chose, you know, and that's something that's really powerful to me. And, you know, every day, every day that my wife goes to work, she goes to work at 300 feet from where I asked her to marry me. You know what I'm saying? Every day when we go out to eat, I go out to eat half a mile from where the best and worst parts of my life happened. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so like that, that to me, that's that's the thing that's important to focus on after a loss. It's like, OK, well, then why am I doing this? Because you get to the point where you're like, I feel so miserable about this. Why am I doing it? Well, that's the answer. The answer is because you get you only get one shot at doing this. And the things that you make for yourself are are the most important things. And if you make a community for yourself the way I think we have with the shuffle bell curve and with the patreon and with the discord and all that like if you make a community for yourself that's real and if you make a home for yourself that's real no one has to tell you that it is and so there's nothing to me more powerful than you know walking out of a uga game with all these rando people and being like okay we all chose to be in this community together and at that point it really doesn't matter who won and lost because like that was never the point to begin with something i look up to someone i look up to and and someone i admire very much once told me and this is something i i think about a lot there was a time in my life where I was going through some really heavy stuff. And there were, there were some things that I, I thought defined me as a person. And those things were some some negative choices and decisions I had made. And so that person ended up telling me that you're not defined by your decisions. You're not defined by the choices you make. You're defined by the moments following those decisions and those choices. You're defined by what comes after. And so who are you going to decide to be in those moments after? And I think that's more important than the decisions and the failures and the choices you made beforehand. You are, you are more than those decisions. Those don't define you. And so I think that's something you can take and actually apply to this 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 moment here for us now as, as fans and for the players and the coaches and just the the entire institution that is Georgia is that we are not defined by this moment. We are defined by the moments after and how we respond to it. And so going forward, I think that these are the times that people are going to look back on not not the game the game is not what's going going to be the thing that people look back on and say this is what georgia is people are going to look back on these moments afterwards following it and going into kentucky week and florida week and how we respond to it and and that's actually what what people are going to refer to years from now as to what kind of team we are and what kind of dynasty we leave and what kind of legacy we leave righteous the last segment of the show is the Dr. James Bearfield Troll Corner, presented by Cheerwine, the wine that gives you diabetes, TMT, TM, TM, TM. TM. The first question is the comic book battle. What would you equate this game to? I actually have a good answer for this one. It's in uh, Decimation when Scarlet Witch wishes away like 90% of mutants on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, it's that issue. <laughs> All right. Second question, do you think this will be a kick in the patootie for our coaches, or are they dense enough to keep beating a dead cow? I mean, you, they want to win, so I can't imagine they will react to this in some way. How they re- will react, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Next question was, why was Justin on the Megatron? Well, I, th- I think we are, because he's a good, good boy. He's a good, soft boy, and he deserved recognition for that. But also, I really enjoy the fact that Megatron was the... the the phrase <laughs> no you don't like the jumbotron at uga is a transformer so it really is we don't have to get into we're that we're not Carry looking on. straight at it it actually changes into something else how do we call ourselves a running university when we only run the inside handoff <laughs> that's a good question james it's a really <laughs> good question i don't know and, ain't it all running though is that his next question no that's it <laughs> that's, that, that's the only i guess it is all running yeah. yeah it's all running right uh yeah so this has been chapel bell curve that's the end of the show. If you like what you heard here today, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Chapel Bell Curve. If you want to get in touch with us some other way than any of the fine direct message platforms that you can use on those, you can also send us an email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, you can also leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Music or Google Podcast or wherever. Spread the word. Share this post. We'd love it. If you really, really liked what you heard today, you can get on our Patreon and listen to us record this idiocy live. Oh, yeah. Or you can get some merch because we have a very cool logo and you should like it. It's a good one. Yeah. You could also just uh, throw us a dollar. That's all you got to really do. So we'll catch you in the Classic City this weekend. But until then, as always, go go dogs. dogs.